0: to episode 4 of Inside the Arc. I'm your host, Alec Buzzy, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Brandon Simberg. Illinois basketball started their season 3-0 and after sweeping their MTE in Champaign with wins over North Carolina a Chicago State, and a close battle with Ohio. After that near upset with the Bobcats, Brandon and I have lots of thoughts regarding Illinois' first three games. So, Brandon, what's your biggest takeaway from these first three games?
1: So, I have a lot of thoughts after today's... Epic game, but I'll start with something on a positive note. I had assumed him. He is who we thought he who he thought he was going to be. He was dominant in the first two games, and his stats were good. But you could tell like he was kind of just easing in, and he didn't take over the way he needed to. But when Illinois needed him to take over today down the stretch, he proved why he's an All-American, and he put the team on his back with that massive three-pointer to tie the game at 71, and then seven seconds left. You know, we say winning time is io time he's one of the clutchest players in the country he took the ball right down the court got to the free throw line made both his free throws and got illinois the win so i'm just i'm happy to see that io Io is the guy we thought he was going to be and is totally deserving of his all-american recognition alec what were some of your thoughts
0: um, I'm really happy you brought up Io. I thought in game one against Chicago State when he scored 28 points, I thought that that was allowed 28 points, and I think he went four of five or three of five from three in that game. So I think that that was really impressive and good to see him come out and shoot it well from behind the arc. And then in the second game, you see him shoot just score 22, and it, that to me felt like a quiet 22 points, I guess. I looked at the stats after that, and I was like, wow, okay. Like, I didn't think he had 22 today. And then um, against Ohio today on Friday – the day we're recording this, he scores 25 points and really gets on the way over the hump. So I think Io definitely, as you said, a huge upside. Um, really happy to see him meet the expectations that I think a lot of people had. Uh, to me, in terms of another player that I was really impressed by, I think you have to go to Monte Williams. I mean, Brad Underwood said multiple times in the press conference after the win against Ohio today that he was the MVP of the game. They wouldn't have won the game without DeMonte Williams. Obviously, he hits a huge three in the corner. I think Trent is the one who dishes him that open shot in the corner, and he hits it. You look at DeMonte from behind the arc in these three games. He was 2 of 5 from 3 against North Carolina a He was 1 of 1 from 3 against Chicago State, and he was 3 of 6 today against Ohio State, and he also added 10, 10 rebounds against Ohio Um, for his first career double-double. So I think seeing Demonte Williams excel in his role is really a good thing to see for Illinois. And I think Demonte Williams is quietly becoming one of the best players on this team. And I know a lot of Illini fans in the past have questioned DeMonte being in the starting lineup, particularly when he was a sophomore and even at times last year when he was a junior. But now as a senior and as a captain, it's very clear to me that he's one of the best players on this team. And I don't know if there's a player on this team outside of maybe Aya who's better at his job than what DeMonte Williams is. It is
1: a hundred percent. You saw today DeMonte right in front of us in the baseline, dive on the floor for a loose ball. Um, even, like, even though it was already out of bounds, DeMonte was still getting on the floor and doing what he does best. And yeah... His whole—his shooting has been super impressive. Like, he's proving that the end of the season last year maybe wasn't a fluke, and the early games, they weren't a fluke because he was 3-for-4 today. He literally had half of Illinois' three-pointers made, which if somebody said to you last February when he was struggling, like, hey, Demonte Williams is going to make half of your threes today, you'd think that person was insane. So Demonte's growth as a three-point shooter is huge— because now, Demonte, if, if he continues to shoot like this, and he's not going to shoot 66% from three all year, that's obviously going to regress. But even if he's in the mid 30s, that's a guy you can 100% trust to be at the end of the game, to be in at the end of the game. You don't have to do offense defense with him. Like he can clearly be on the court and. I don't want to be hyperbolic, but I think that was the biggest shot of his career today.
0: Oh, I turned to you right after he made that shot, and I turned to someone in front of us, Kedrick Prince, who and immediately said, "That's the biggest shot of Demonte Williams' career." And it's funny to say that in the third game of a senior season against Ohio, of all people, when you're a top ten team in the country, like that doesn't make sense when you think about it. But watching that game, that was a huge shot. It only doesn't win that game without Demonte Williams hitting that shot. Um, now, you said you see him shooting close to like thirty percent from three. I think that I could even see it being a little bit higher than that. I
1: think mid-30s is I,
0: what. Mid-30s, yeah. I could maybe even see it being a little bit higher than that because you look at the numbers in these first three games. Two of five, a lot of those were open shots. One of one, only took one wide open shot against Chicago State. And granted, Chicago State, and that was obviously a blowout. Illinois won that one 97-38. Um, but even today, three of six from three. Like, he's taking open shots. He's not forcing a three, and that's mm-hmm. why they're high-percentage shots. And I'm okay with him taking those shots. And as long as they go in, heck, I don't care if I'm Brad Underwood. If he takes a three and there's a guy in his face, because if he's proven to make it at a high percentage, then it's not a bad shot. Um, So seeing him make those shots is huge. And I think it really opens up Illinois' offense. And that's something that last year when you were on the Maryland beat, I don't know if you paid a lot of attention to, but at the end of the season, it became so apparent that when... DeMonte was hitting shots that you couldn't just focus all of your attention on I.O. or Kofi. But now you have DeMonte, he's hitting shots. You see Adam Miller, and we're going to talk about him. He looked great in the first three games in different areas in each game, I would say. Um, Trent got going against Chicago State. That was good to see. And obviously, Kofi had three double-doubles, albeit we'll talk about that as well. but having the ability to just knock down open shots, if you're Demonte Williams, opens this offense up so much more, in my opinion.
1: 100%. Uh, you brought up Adam Miller. He impressed me over the three-game stretch. I mean, against Chicago State, he set the record for most points in a debut, or so, against North Carolina a and then he had 15 against Chicago State and was two for five from three. But even a game like today... He was over four from three, and he missed some shots you, know, you you wish he would make, and they were kind of open, but he still finished with 11 points, and he's not afraid to go to the basket. Like, I think some people labeled him as a shooter, and he showed he's a three-level scorer, and he can get to the rim and hit a wonderful pull-up. So I was impressed with Adam today and his ability to— get to the rim and make you know he had a huge one dribble pull up in the second half like he knew the three wasn't falling so adam was very impressive to me over this three-game stretch
0: yeah i agree with you on that one dribble pull up the one on the baseline in the second half where he pump faked got past his got his man in the air took one or two dribbles and hit a baseline jumper that's a that's an nba shot and he did the same thing against uh chicago state in the second game of the mte where he pump faked and then he went to a mid-range close to the elbow shot 17 footer mm-hmm. and he hit it nothing but net and I think another thing that's really impressed me about Adam Miller's offense, um, other than just his fit in the system, is his ability to cut. His knowledge offensively to me is way higher than I thought it was going to be. And his first bucket against Chicago State in the second game was a— flash to the basket Io finds him he hits a layup with his right hand going across the lane and i don't know if i've seen a better cut from an illinois player in the last three four years than that one from adam miller and that's not a knock on any of the players but that was a really good cut and yeah. a really good flash to the basket and it was a great finish obviously adam's left-handed and he puts it up with his right hand like he, like you said he showed an ability to score at all three levels to me and that's really impressive because he he knows if his shots not falling you know what okay that's fine i have the ability to now go to the basket and get a layup or hit a mid-range jump shot that's really important um someone else i want to hit on Trent Fraser mm-hmm. uh, obviously shot wasn't falling very well against North Carolina ANT i think he was one of 8 from the field i believe um But he got 14 points against Chicago State. He was 4 of 7 from 3. Now today against Ohio, Ohio, um, he didn't shoot it very much, but he didn't have to. I feel like he was playing within the flow of the offense, and we're going to talk about that as well. Um, But getting him confidence, it's similar to Demonte Williams and similar to Adam Miller. If those guys are scoring, it takes so much pressure off of Io and Kofi to do everything offensively because teams can't just focus on those two. So I think getting Trent some confidence behind the arc is huge. The one area offensively I'd like to see Trent improve on is his willingness to drive to the basket and hit a floater or get a layup. And I know Trent's Mm -hmm. smaller and it's hard to do that, Um, but that's something that he has said he wants to improve upon uh, this season as his senior year. So I don't know what your takeaways for Trent were offensively, and if you definitely want to hit defensively, please do. But that to me, him getting some confidence was good to see, especially against Chicago State.
1: Yeah, that Chicago State game, you're right, it was key to see him. Even though there were wide open shots, it was good to see those fall in for him. I thought thought today he was fine. I mean, he only attempted three shots and I like that I think ultimately he's like in a Miller, Io, Trent three-guard lineup. I think he's ultimately the third best offensive guard and he's the guy who's going to take the least shots of the three and You know, as a senior, it might be hard to have a freshman kind of overtake you, but I think he's accepted that role okay, and he's going to be willing to be an off-ball player, and as long as he can hit catch-and-shoot threes, he should be fine. His free-throw shooting concerned me today. uh, He was only three for six, and he missed a couple in the second half that— You don't want to see a senior miss. Um, Defensively, I was a little concerned. You know, like last—you know, he talks about being this guard stopper and wanting to make all defense and stuff like that. And they put him on Jason Preston early, the Ohio guard. And Preston, albeit he uses a lot of ball screens, he was kind of cooking him, and they had to switch to Io. So I want to see Trent find that niche again as a guard defensive stopper because when they play Baylor next week— Jared Butler is a lot smaller and quicker. And I don't know if I want Io to waste all that defensive. And I don't, want, I don't know if I want Io to waste that energy on defense. You know, I kind of want Trent to be that guy that can disrupt Butler and deny him the ball and stuff like that. So next Tuesday will be a test for Trent on defense. But I want to see him get back to what he was last year on that end.
0: Yeah, to me, Trent is still Illinois' best on-ball defender. Um, and you kind of asked me today during the game, but something around his defense Oh, it was actually right at the start You asked me why he was on Preston And I said, oh, he's Illinois' best on ball defender And today doesn't change my opinion of that Because Preston's bigger than him And that's tough for Trent When he has to go against someone who's 3-4 inches taller than him um, But his defense didn't Overly impress me Against North Carolina, A&T, or Chicago State But then again, did anyone's defense Impress you against those two teams? I mean only probably has better players at every position in those two games mm-hmm. than the other than their opponent did. So I'm not putting too much stock into either of those games, but I'm not concerned about Trent's defense. If there's one thing about Trent Frazier I'm not concerned about, it's his defensive buy-in. I mean, after the game against Chicago State, and he's on that Zoom call with all of us in the media saying, I'm willing to... Not score Like, I don't care if I score, if it means I'm helping Adam and Andre get acclimated to the offense and getting them involved and setting them up to be more successful in the future. To me, that shows a a great level of buy-in, and that's something that I asked Brad Underwood about, and he basically said that Trent's all in on Illinois basketball, and of course a lot of these players are, and hopefully they all are, Um, and Brad kind of said that, but seeing uh, Trent Frazier's defense— play the way it can against Jared Butler I think is going to be really interesting come Wednesday when Illinois is playing Baylor uh, someone else I want to ask you about Kofi Coburn
1: yeah Um. so you look at his raw stat line over these three games like if you didn't watch a single second in this tournament you'd be like oh Kofi he's fine he had three double doubles but I was a bit concerned I mean he, he was way bigger than everyone else out there of, like of course he was going to get three double doubles in my opinion, he just—he's so big, but and he shot pretty well from the field. He was ten of fifteen entering today, and then he was
0: six of ten against Ohio.
1: So, what is it, eleven for, or sixteen for twenty-five? Yeah, that—I mean—that's very good. But there's still—he still has issues finishing through contact yeah. with much smaller defenders and. His, I thought his touch around the rim would maybe get a little bit better. And there's still some times he just kind of catches it and he's like firing a fastball at the rim. And then and then he does, he does have a good second leap and he'll grab the rebound. But I was not super impressed with his touch around the rim. And I think offensively he's going to be okay. He's going to get you 10 points at least a night because he's going to catch lobs and dunks. And he had a good stretch in the second half today where him and I were working the two-man game. But where I was most concerned was the defense. I'm not talking about the first two games, but today, when Ohio needed a bucket, they were bringing Kofi's man out in the pick and roll, and Illinois was playing him in drop coverage, and he seemed a little slow and lost at times. So Brad talked about in the post game how they need to improve their pick and roll coverage, and I'm sure they're going to go over it on film and whatnot, but I need to see Kofi be... He was good at protecting the rim, and he was good, obviously, rebounding in space, but... He's got to improve in pick-and-roll coverage because Baylor, again, with Jared Butler, they like to run a lot of high pick-and-roll, and and if he's just going to drop, I think Jared Butler's going to kill them.
0: Yeah, so I'm glad you brought up a lot of those things with Kofi. Offensively, I don't think I saw anything that made me think that he was improved from last year in these Mm -hmm. three games, and that's not a knock on Kofi, and I'm sure he's a lot better in certain things offensively, and it's probably just going to take a little bit. I mean, there's Russ. I mean, Illinois going into the North Carolina a game, they hadn't played a game against someone in 261 days. It's yeah. a long time to go without playing a basketball game, especially when you're big, especially when you're someone like Kofi and you rely so much on people getting you the ball to get acclimated and you're so used to – I mean, Illinois hadn't scrimmaged against anyone. They hadn't had an exhibition game against anyone. I mean, Kofi's so used to – Who's guarding him in practice? Like Georgie? He's so used to – a Brandon Lieb or a Jermaine Hamlin guarding him in practice, and that's so much different. Those guys are nowhere near his build and nowhere near his size. Um, But defensively, that's been the biggest concern with Kofi since he got here, was his ability to guard ball screen. And I think at some point, he's either going to have to adjust, Illinois is going to have to adjust, or they're going to have to do something with their guards to put their guards in a better situation because he just doesn't play well against a ball screen. And that's Mm -hmm that happens when you're seven foot, 285 pounds. And yes, Kofi north, south, he ain't slow. I mean, he's really fast. I mean, last year when I'm sitting baseline <laughs> on the court and he's running, I mean, he looks like he's really fast. And it, yes, it takes him a couple steps to get going. But once he gets going, you're like, holy cow, this guy's really fast. And he's going and he's like a locomotive trying to stop him on a train. You can't do it. Um, but left and right, it takes him a little bit longer to get going. And his footwork's not bad. He's just seven foot 285 pounds it's hard for someone that big to move left and right right yeah um
1: can i throw out one more kofi stat yeah go ahead i so i i just like looked this up because i wasn't overly impressed with his passing Uh, i mean he had a one to ten assist to turnover ratio he had one assist and ten turnovers and teams are going to double him so he's got to be more willing to pass out of the post and he's got to make better reads and just process the court better because 1 to 10 assist turnover ratio against the bigs we saw this week ain't gonna cut it when it's Luca Garza and it's um Hunter Dickinson on Michigan and Nate Reavers and guys like that.
0: Yeah, and that's something to me that's super, that's always been concerning about Kofi's game is I don't think he has great hands, one. And I know he's put a lot of time in the gym, in the weight room with Fletch, on just improving his hand-eye coordination, improving his hands in general. He does a lot of drills with, like, a tennis ball and, like, juggling different things in the weight room. Like, And he puts a lot of time and effort there, and that's great. It's good to see that. Um, but his hands still aren't great. He still brings the ball down too low at, when he mm-hmm. gets a rebound, mm-hmm. and that's – it's because he's raw, right? Like, Brandon, like, you watch him play last year. Like, okay, he is really talented. But you're also like, this kid's really, really raw. And you can tell he has not been playing basketball for very long. Um, but now you see him, and you're thinking, okay, you had a whole year as a freshman. You played at Oak Hill in high school. You played at AAU ball. Bringing the ball down, you got to get your muscle memory to flip and not do that especially when you're the biggest player on any court that you're going to be on in most mm-hmm. games uh, so that's really frustrating him him not turning the ball over and I know Brad said this after the game he's really frustrated with that and I think only fans should be frustrated with his 10 to 1 assist to turnover ratio and that's or turnover to assist ratio I guess yeah. in the way I phrase that um but he has to be better in that situation because Illinois can't give up possessions when you play Baylor when you play Duke and when eventually when you get in a Big Ten play you can't give up any possession to any game anyone in the Big Ten let alone in Iowa Wisconsin or Michigan State or you really like Indiana you can't give up possessions in the Big Ten
1: yeah uh, one more guy I want to touch on Andre Curbelo first three games for Illinois what were your thoughts on him
0: okay so I think Curbelo showed flashes of brilliance on offense um the first one that comes to mind, and I know it doesn't necessarily count, he's running a three on two. He's got the ball. I think he had Io to his right and he had Kofi to his left. This is in the second game against Chicago State. And he throws a little lob on the run to Kofi. And Kofi's yeah. able to slam it down. And Boborowski, of course, Boborowski doing Boborowski things, <laughs> calls a foul that no one else sees at half court. Like, of course you do, bro. That's what you do. Um, but that play to me was Andre Corbello. Or. Also in the Chicago State game, I think, and once again in Chicago State, and no disrespect to Chicago State, but his ability to just go like coast to coast and finish at the rim, like wow, like you're not supposed to be able to do that at the this way, level.
1: The, the way he handled the ball and like behind the back between two defenders, yes, yeah.
0: that one was great. Where he dribble behind the back, I'm like wow, you're you're not supposed to be able to do that at this level. And I don't think he's gonna be able to do that in the Big Ten. But he's showing flashes of brilliance offensively. He's also playing way too fast. And not staying within the offense and not staying within himself. He needs to slow down and just play within the system. When he does that, he did that in the second half today when he was in. He didn't have a single turnover. I know he didn't have an assist either during that time. He was two turnovers, zero assists against Ohio today. Um, but when you just play within the offense, he's going to be so much better. And he, the catches Winston Comp is thrown out there all the time. And I I'm not saying he's gonna be Cassius Winston. I don't think anyone should be saying Andre Carbello is Cassius Winston. Their style of play is very similar. Cassius Winston's assist to turnover ratio as a freshman was like seven to four. Like I think he had like seven turnovers to four assists, or something like that. So, something close to that. But Corbello just needs to slow down and just play within the offense because we you said this before we started recording was you think he's their second best distributor or their mm-hmm. best distributor. S- second best creator. Creator is a word you use, yeah. Behind Io. I agree with that. And if he's in the game, he's going to have the ball in his hands because if the ball's not his hands offensively, you're wasting his best at- attribute. So just playing with it himself, not turning the ball over, is the biggest thing for him going forward, especially when he's playing Baylor-Duke. And I think that these three games are great for Andre Carbello. And I think they're great for Adam Miller as well because you learn a lot about who those kids are. And I think is going to walk out of these three games you be like, okay, he's going to watch the film. They're going to get an opportunity to actually break down these three games of film and practice and team meetings. And he's going to say, okay, he's going to get lit up for certain things that he did. And I think he's going to be improved. Come Baylor, come Duke, come Mizzou. I think you're going to see a lot of those things kind of maybe disappear a little bit.
1: A hundred percent. If you follow me on Twitter or you've talked to me about Illinois basketball this offseason, you know I was super high on Andre Curbelo. So, I mean, I was a little disappointed that this weekend he had uh, – or this week he had 10 turnovers and 7 assists. You know, when he, when he catches the ball – honestly, he's lucky he didn't have more turnovers because every time he catches the ball, I feel like they could maybe call a travel. He's so energetic and giddy and just ready to start dribbling. Um, and I think – like you said, the Chicago State game and the North Carolina a game were really good for him because he tried to make some passes, some of those fancy Steve Nash-esque passes that he got away with in high school, and he couldn't get away with that here. So I think that's partially where his turnovers came from. And we saw the the flash of Crabello with 16 second half points against Chicago State. And today, I, I thought, like you said, I thought he was solid. He came in, he, he attacks gaps well, like when he just... Doesn't try to do too much. It's just like, okay, I'm gonna attack this gap, see if I can get it open, or dribble baseline, see if I have a guy open, or look to maybe fl- get a floater up. Like, when he plays within himself and plays in the offense, he can be really good. He just has to reel that in. So I think I was a bit too high on him initially, but like you said, the flashes are there. And like I like Miller and Frazier, but they're off-ball players. They kind of need other guys to create for them and get them open. And they're good at attacking closeouts and things like that. But Corbello is. With Io, the guy you can put in a high pick-and-roll, have him attack and see the floor, and he can get guys open. And Illinois is going to need that because you know, there were times there when Illinois was stagnant in the half court, and you're like, you can't just rely on Io or Kofi and Georgie post-ups. You need a second creator because that's what these elite teams have. So, Corbello needs to get to that level. I think this week was a good, growing experience for him, and I'm excited to see how he does against the big boys in Baylor and Duke. Um, we've talked a lot of positives, and we kind of run through the players. So... Out of these three games, what are some concerns you have with this team? In
0: my opinion, my biggest concern is the turnovers. And I know we hit on this a little bit with Kofi. I know we hit on it a little bit with Curbelo. You had 15 turnovers against North Carolina AT. I know you're running a lot of possessions in these games. You had 122 points against AT. You had 97 against Chicago State, and you finished with 77 today against Ohio. So you have a lot of possessions, and you're playing really fast, especially against AT and Chicago State. Um, but 15 turnovers against AT, 18 turnovers against Chicago State, and then 16 turnovers against Ohio today. That is. Uh, way too many turnovers. I was going to do the math. <laughs>
1: Alex Alec just pulled out his calculator yeah, and then I, put it down after two seconds. I and can't do math.
0: math. I'm not a mental math person at all. I, I can't type and talk either, apparently. That's way too many turnovers at the end of the day. And Carbello, I think, had six of them in the three games. So two turnovers a game. I'd have to double check that. But that's too many turnovers. You can't turn it over that much against a good team, against a team that has – national championship aspirations a top 25 ranked team a top 10 ranked team that Illinois is going to be playing in the next couple of weeks um and it's not just Curbelo and it's not just Kofi I mean Io had a couple careless turnovers he had one today that really upset Brad Underwood where mm-hmm. they were in transition he tried a little underhand shuffle pass to a shooter on the outside I think it was Trent and it got taken away and took the other way mm-hmm. for a layup I think like you can't do that at this level and expect to win games on a consistent basis. So turnovers are a big thing for me. On the surface today, I thought free throws were a bigger deal. I thought free throws were a bigger deal throughout the first three games, and then I did the numbers and I looked at them. I calculated the percentages. I can't do math when I'm not under the pressure. I'm doing it fast. Uh, I do know how to divide. I am using a calculator for it, though. They shot seventy percent from the free throw line against Ant. Seventy-five percent against Chicago State, and they shot 62% today against Ohio. Not great. 15 of 24 today against Ohio. Um, that needs to be better, but if you shoot close to 70% as a team, that's pretty good at the end of the day. Yeah. I don't know what your opinion is on the free throw shooting, but I feel like it can be better. 62%, you need to be better. I think
1: it felt worse today because like they missed big ones. Like Trent was... Th- and Trent's a guy expected to make free throws. He's yeah. a senior. He was 3 for 6. Missed a couple in the second half. Georgie was 0 for 2, which...
0: He's so streaky from the line.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kofi was one for two, which... Shout out, to, shout out to the Ohio bench. I thought they were hilarious. Shingards. Um, trash-talking <laughs> Illinois players at the free throw line. That I shout out to the Ohio bench, mob. So... But yeah, I mean, free throws... Like, you can get away with it in these games, missing free throws, but you're not going to be able to in the Big Ten... One thing I was concerned with, and it was really only today and only for stretches, but when Ohio was able to crawl back, it's because Illinois was not getting in transition and they were struggling in the half court. In the preseason, they talked about wanting to play faster, and they largely did that this week, but when Ohio was able to slow them down and, like, Illinois was kind of stagnant in the half court, like, trying to feed Kofi and Georgie into double teams didn't really work, and... They then it's like you have 10 seconds left alright IO creates something off a ball screen like they need to have good half court offense the whole time and I thought today they struggled with that a bit and they didn't really they didn't shoot great from three today. six for fifteen and I know Miller had an off day at 0 for four but it's just they didn't create that many threes or open looks and that's something I don't know if that's coaching or if that's guys running the sets better but i feel like you have to get up more than 15 threes and you got to make more than six threes to be an elite team
0: yeah i'm concerned with the half court offense because i feel like that's been a thing my entire life with illinois is <laughs> they don't have a good half court offense um i said to you in the game in the first half when they were stuck just running the half court over and over and over again that they should get it to Kofi and let him go to work in the paint. Um, Kofi is at his best in the half court. Actually, Illinois is at its best in the half court when they're running a high low or a pick and roll with Kofi and one of the guards, whether that's IO, whether that's Trent, whether that's, I guess in this case, Miller Miller's probably not running a pick and roll or a high and low with him. But when you have a good back court, like Illinois does, and you have Kofi, who's a preseason Naismith award watch player, you expect him to be very good. I mean, he was a big preseason, all big 10 player as well. Um, run the the half court through him. He's 7 foot, 285 pounds. And I know I keep saying that, but run it through him. He's so much bigger than everyone else who was on the floor today. Yes, he turned it over a lot. Yes, it's getting knocked away a lot. But he got to the free throw line only one time today. To me, that showed... And he got to the free throw line a lot last year. He was a free throw machine last year. Mm -hmm. Um, Him getting to the free throw line only one time and it was two shots, that's not good enough. He needs to get to the line more. I think that shows more that... Illinois oh, not giving it to him enough. Not that Ohio's not fouling him.
1: Yeah, you, you could tell early in, in the second half or r- right after half. It time. was
0: that 12 to 7 minute stretch in the second half. I made sure to take note of it. He scored seven straight points. Right. And it, it wasn't fi- it wasn't like five minutes he, prolonged, but it, he did score seven straight points.
1: It was um after Illinois went down eight, and mm-hmm. Underwood took a timeout, and I'm sure he said something along the lines of, hey guys, we have Kofi Coburn. He is much bigger than the other team. We should feed him the ball. And they ran some good sets to like, you know, they had that one Io pick and roll where he kind of like, he deceived like he was going right, then threw it back left to Kofi under the hoop. Like, I like when they run sets to get him the ball um, open because I don't know if he's just an, I don't know how much of an engine he actually is though, if you're just feeding him on post-ups considering he can't really pass. And what if you're playing Duke and they have seven foot Mark Williams on him or like, like yeah, against Ohio, they can get away with it, but I think they need to get Kofi looks on, like, like, like you said, like high-low, over-the-top, or pick-and-roll and, rolls. Pick and, pick and, roll and like have him on the move because if they need to feed him just in the half-court and have him like post up like he's Luka Garza, like that's not his game. So in the half-court, that's what I want to see more of from them.
0: That leads me into my other thing with Kofi. He's got to be more skilled at this point. He can't just rely on his brute force anymore as a sophomore. I mean... If Kofi wants to go to the NBA, and there's very mixed reviews on whether or not people think he can go to the NBA or not, no matter what your opinion is on that, if he wants to go to the NBA, he needs to be more skilled, and he needs to be able to eventually, if he wants to play in the NBA, be able to step out and hit a jump shot. But that's not what his focus needs to be now. His focus needs to be back to the basket, turn around, hit a hook shot. Mm -hmm. Back to the basket. Pump fake. Pump fake. Go baseline. Did he
1: pump fake once this week? I don't think, I honestly think it was just catch the ball, one dribble, right hand hook, hope it like corins in. Mm And if not, maybe I use my leaping ability to grab the rebound.
0: Yeah, use some sort of skill set that he has. And he has them. He just has to start incorporating them into his game on a game by game basis. Um, All right, Brandon, I'm going to ask you one final question Does this weekend, these three games, two blowouts against two clearly inferior opponents, a team that we thought was an inferior opponent in Ohio, close game. Does this three-game MTE change your expectations, change your thoughts about who this Illinois team is at all?
1: So I'm going to say no. But I think the caveat is, I think I was a little lower on them than the consensus. Like, I had them 10 in my preseason top 25, and I had them second in the Big Ten behind Wisconsin. So I didn't expect them to be this buzzsaw that, like, if anybody watched Gonzaga this week, like, that team is unbelievable. Like, I didn't expect them to be Gonzaga. And as you saw with Illinois last year, they were inconsistent. And I was worried about that with them this year. And I thought the inconsistencies would come up much later in the year, not in Game 3 against Ohio. But, like, my fears with this team, um, lack of half-court offense and lack of creation beyond Io, and a lack of improvement from Kofi, they came to fruition today. I still think—but at the same time, we saw what they can do at their peak, even against inferior opponents— Winning two games by an average margin of sixty points is still super impressive. Yeah. So, like, we saw what they can do at their peak. We saw the flashes of Adam Miller shooting. We saw Demonte Williams take a leap. So, I just I think this team is going to be a tad inconsistent, and there's going to be games like today where you're like, how are they not winning by more? Or what are they doing? And so, and that's kind of what I expect them to be. So, my expectations don't change too much. Um, I mean, I am concerned about today. I don't think they're going to beat Baylor. I think they have a shot against Duke. I got to see how they look, but I don't think my expectations change largely because I expect them to be a bit inconsistent. Where are you at on this team after these three games? Um, I don't
0: know. I, I, my expectations don't change. I think that you're in a weird year. You're in a really weird season. This was the first team, and once again, no disrespect to North Carolina, AT and Chicago.
1: No, I will disrespect them. Those teams were terrible. <laughs> Those teams were. Awful. Those teams aren't good. But
0: North Carolina AT is picked second in their division in the MEAC. I mean, that's a team that has legitimate aspirations of going to an NCAA tournament.
1: Wait, North Carolina was picked.
0: North, North Carolina-, Carolina AT is picked second to finish in their division in the MiAC. Oh yeah. my lord, how bad is that conference? So they, in my opinion, like do have tournament aspirations, as small as they may be. Chicago State, they're terrible. Everyone knows they're terrible. They're like 357 out of 360 Ken Palm teams or whatever. Um, no, my my expectations don't change. Because how many times, Brandon, in, in United's life, has Illinois played some game that they just look like crapping? I mean, look at look at last year, Miami. They were down by 27 at, on their home court in the mm-hmm. ACC Big Ten Challenge. They lost to Mizzou in bragging rights in St. Louis. And yeah. then the switch just flipped at some point on the second half of the big Ten schedule. I'm not saying that it only has the time to do that this year because it's a weird season and they only have 27 games. But I'm, I'll be concerned if they go into Indianapolis and in the Jimmy V Classic against Baylor and just get blown out. I mean, if, that, if, that's a, if they lose to Baylor by 10 points, like, okay, mm-hmm. okay. Okay. Now, if it's, like, a 10-point since, like, Baylor was really up at, like, 15, 17 the whole game, but only got it close in the last, like, four or five minutes, like, all right, like, dive deep into it. Let's see what really went wrong here. Um, I'm not going to overreact by one game. That's something that I really try not to do, and I think that today showed on Illinois has weaknesses, and I think now, if you're Brad Underwood, if you're Illinois basketball, you get into the lab, you figure out what your weaknesses are, you've got six days now to... Not six days. You've got a few days now. Just go at it up and figure out where your weaknesses are, weaknesses are and just fix them. And correct your own mistakes and see where you're at when you come and play Baylor on Wednesday. So, no, I'm not overly concerned, but I can get there real quick.
1: So, my one like counter to that is that I don't want to compare this year's team to last year's team because last year's team wasn't in the top ten. Like They can't be this on-off flip-switch team if you're in the top 10 and you have these expectations and you want to... If they want to win the Big Ten, you can't play like you did today. And, and even against, like, a, a Minnesota or a Maryland, you do... You play you'll get like, beat. You'll get beat. That is that is my concern. So they need to, like... They just need to not be inconsistent. And, that like, today was my worst fear that they were inconsistent. And Unfortunately, for, Io is so good now to the point where I think he can bail them out in games like today. But that won't always be the case. So that's I'm just concerned that like, you compare them to last year's team, and last year's team was good, but they finished fourth in the Big Ten and they didn't have final four aspirations.
0: That's true. That's a very fair point. We will see going forward how much Io maybe has to build this team out. Maybe yeah. he has to build them out a lot. Maybe he doesn't. Um, we'll see. We'll be back hopefully early this week. Maybe give you a guest before the Baylor game. It's been a really exciting game. I'm sure my fans will be piped up for it.
1: Before we go... I mean, busy week of content, what do you have to plug?
0: Player grades, doing mostly player grades for basketball this season. Uh, Give those a read on Orange and Blue News. Subscribe to Orange and Blue News. I think we're still doing a 75% off thing right now, or $75 off. I'd have to look again. Um, Illinois versus Ohio State football tomorrow. I will be writing a story or two about that. If you missed it, Ryan Day has coronavirus. He won't be on the sidelines. Stars aligning for Illinois upset Ohio State, Brandon?
1: I don't think so, but that'd be fun.
0: <laughs> I don't think they are either, but maybe they are. Uh, but yeah, follow me on Twitter, Alec underscore Bussy, and uh, thank you for listening, Brandon. Anything you want to plug?
1: Yeah, uh, I've got gamers from game stories from all three games this week, and I'm actually putting out a column tomorrow on what the State Farm Center was like with no fans. So for some of you fans out there that missed being at the State Farm Center this week. Uh, feel free to give that a read and follow me on Twitter at Brandon Simberg. So everyone, thanks for listening, and we'll see you before the Baylor game. Thank
0: you for listening.